again uh, to this mini-series that we have, which is I Am Allowed, and this is with Games Dev London, and it's all about audio in games, and I'm your host today, Lorraine Ansell, and today we have Alex Jones, who is currently Dialogue Editor at Liquid Violet, and is also a games music composer. She has worked on her own games and is head writer at The Sound Architect, which covers games events like the Games BAFTAs, and she has also been a drawer on the audio panel, and working on audio for projects such as Borderlands 3 Lost Words, which is a great game by the way and is with us today thank you alex for joining us how are you fairness with lost words that was mostly the dog oh <laughs> we, we encourage all pets are welcome to the chat <laughs> well every studio needs a dog to do all the post-production work anyway so <laughs> absolutely i encourage you know dogs cats i don't know whatever whatever you can get really ever you can get your hands on <laughs> So, yes, thank you for coming along today. So, um, just tell us a bit about yourself, firstly. What's your experience been? How did you start in audio? How did I start in audio? Well, that was, feels like a long time ago now, maybe. But it's probably not that long. I guess I did, like, a long time in university. And the first time I got into audio properly was studying music technology at A-level. Well, that was when it kind of occurred to me that it was a job. I suppose because we went to Abbey Road and it was like very very cool experience for a young person to like be stood amongst the greats and be able to record and play guitar in um in Abbey Road so yeah that was like super super cool. Did you play guitar in the actual Abbey Road? Yeah yeah got recorded by the engineer who did like the Lord of the Rings soundtracks so it's a bit of a moment to, to be like oh my god oh my god no way that's amazing. Oh. Yeah, I was kind of like at that point I was like at some point in my career in my life I will be here again <laughs> whatever like happens to get there it's 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 just a magical place really oh wow that is amazing oh so basically that kind of planted a massive seed and you thought right games audio yes. yeah like I always liked music and it was always an escape and an outlet as it is for so many people um, and, I, and games are the same, like playing games is a bit of escapism if you've got whatever difficulties in your life or even if it's just a bit of fun and a way to connect with other people. And when you marry those two things together at some point in your mind, you're like, oh, those those things go together. And someone has those jobs to be able to produce those things like games, music, audio, whatever it may be to like deliver that to people and give them those experiences. And so when you're at school and you do like those careers questions you kind of come up with like doctor writer those you know like there's nothing interesting that's even anything like more than like about five jobs in the world that you could possibly have and it's not relevant anymore to the world that we live in so I can't even remember what I got probably musician and writer or something like that which is I guess relatively accurate because I do those things but in terms of like, the actual career path and how to find the specific job that was for me it's kind of nowhere near that <laughs> yeah I, I think I got accountant and actor so make of that what you will I mean you have to do your tax returns right <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so then after the A-levels and that amazing experience at Abbey Road then what did you what did you do at university then yeah I studied creative music technology at Surrey University and because that's in Guildford it I found out that the area was inhabited by a lot of games companies absolutely and, um, it is the games hollywood isn't it yeah that's what they say that's what they say <laughs> a little bit less glamorous or more glamorous i don't know <laughs> you have to well, come down and see. less glamorous more cobbled streets but you know 
yeah I think that then led to me engaging with the local community and going to game jams and meeting people and I think the first place I went was maybe Rocket Desk which is a co-working space in Guildford for game devs generally and they hosted one of the game jams it must have been global game jam yeah it was a long time ago a long time ago yeah but then I started going to more and more things and meeting more and more people and then we started our own game audio meetup and whatever when I was a student I realized how important networking was to that career so I was like don't really know how to do this but I'm just going to keep meeting people and keep trying go to London as much as possible it's where everyone is right (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's the trick isn't it it's really just meeting people and just hanging out I suppose networking yeah, I think yeah. sometimes when you're younger, you're like, I don't know how to make business contacts or how should I approach that situation at all? And it's like, now I'm just like hanging out with people and chilling. Like it's not even, there's no agenda to it, but I think it's difficult to learn what that means when you're young. Yeah. You say networking, it's like, okay, so I need a network of people. Well, what does that mean? It's really just like make friends with people and <laughs> get to know them really. I suppose it's like a grown up way of making friends, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's it's true. It's true, and yeah, many many a time, a good time has been had down in Guildford, but uh, but uh, yeah, at the moment we're all we're all at home. So yeah, it's no, no not seeing people for so long. Absolutely, and um, yeah, and then after you worked there, you kind of you did quite a lot because um, you were also the lead writer on Sound Architect as well, aren't you? Yeah, I met Sam at um, an event called Game Music Connect, which is in London. And that was one of the first things I ever went to as a student, because I think I just finished my first year at university. So I was 18, 19, something like that. So kind of a baby at the time. So a lot of people who were at the event were like proper adults, not just teenagers. (laughs) But I think me, Sam and Andy, who was the other guy who was started out as the, the sort of core team, apart from Sam founding it, stayed at the pub um, Azura near Waterloo till it shut and we were speaking about that for ages and then Sam was like well should we just like write stuff and do some more stuff why don't you come do things and I was like sure why not I'm a student like got less going on than someone with a job so got time to do that kind of thing and you get free games to review so it was a win-win definitely definitely yeah but it got me to even more events than I would have been able to go to anyway to do like event coverage and stuff so it was even helpful for networking beyond that yeah absolutely and I think what that's kind of shown is that you've really invested a lot of passion into the industry and you've actually taken the time to research and find out about the people because you've you've interviewed some amazing high profile names haven't you there's lots of cool people Jessica Curry is always my favorite (laughs) absolutely she's fantastic I just love her stuff and you've got to you've got to meet her a few times yeah and like I think we just bump into each other everywhere and actually she was at Game Music Connect that first very event that I went to and we came out of the toilet stalls at the same time and she was like oh it's like Charlie's Angels and I'm like it's Jessica Curry oh my god that's really I have now visions of everyone like standing around going like this (laughs) they're they're really bizarre toilets because they're really really long and there's mirrors all up the wall so as soon as you come out you can kind of see anyone else that's coming out at the same time so it's like yeah film it <laughs> oh my god that's a great instagram place right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh and and so what have you been doing lately where are you working now i'm at liquid violet now and i've been there two years and a half ish kind of something like that i think okay. i started freelance on valentine's day two oh. years ago which was a really funny coincidence 
but I, I made <laughs> I made little cookies that were like in an eight bit kind of pixel shape to cut on my first day. So then I got a reputation as a baker, and I'm really not a baker. Oh, no, <laughs> a standard I could not uh, like uphold, but I tried. I bought brownies one time after. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! That's brilliant. And for people who don't know, what is Liquid Violet? What do they do? Yeah, Liquid Violet is a voiceover production studio. So we have two studios on site where we record um, dialogue for games, and then we have our own post production team, and we also do our own casting and um, everything around basically recording voices for games. So we do a lot of recording within the studios for stuff like Overwatch and work with Blizzard and Riot and all that kind of stuff, but also um, localization, which is what I did on Borderlands when I first started. Um, so they're recorded in external studios in France, Germany, Spain, Italy, whatever it may be. And then we do post-production on that and give them back. <laughs> wow, that sounds really quite exciting. And so, you know, how does it work? What's a day-to-day? Well, okay, let's talk pre-pandemic. What was your yeah. day-to-day going in and kind of what was the normal day? Yeah, well, I travel it on the train with Loki, so he used to come in every day with me, and then he gets to work <laughs> checking out the studio and see what voice actors we've got in that day. Um, but yeah, it changes quite a lot depending on whether you're prepping for a project or whether there's something already going. Um, so I sometimes do script supervision there just because I'm around and I can do that. So that's quite cool. I get to like, cause it's such a small team. Everyone wears a lot of hats and does lots of different jobs. So I never do just like purely post-production. Like even now I'm involved with like organizing things and preparing things, doing pre-production. And then when it's all recorded, I'll do post-production. So I kind of sit in each stage a little bit at the moment. But I did recently get promoted to post-production coordinator. Yay! Kind of still doing my dialogue editing because you never want to be completely hands-off the kind of thing that you're actually doing. So that's really fun. But it's nice to be more involved in all of that side of things. Yeah, congratulations. That's brilliant. So what does that um, what does that mean? You know, for you now, what what's the work? What's the process? Yeah, so a lot of it, because we've got so much work on, it's managing to organise like a pool of freelancers that we work with and making sure that they're happy with their work as well and helping them train up a little bit, which is really lovely to be able to help people kind of improve themselves. And then I'm always trying to improve myself as well because there's a lot of stages that we always change the bar for what we're doing because we're always looking to improve things. Um, but it's basically just making sure that we have enough time to do projects when when they hit and making sure post-production has uh, good budgets or good time allocated because we're always at the end of the chain so if things get delayed in the studio then we'll everything will need to get pushed in post to make it happen for the right deadline or perhaps they may be flexible with their deadlines. <laughs> who knows, who knows? But that's true often audio is really towards the tail end of the process so it is kind of you know it does bring everything together but at the same time it can be like a bit of a rush job because it's like we've got to get it out so you know yeah and covid's impacted on that a lot as well how's that how's that happened what's what's yeah like originally we basically went fully remote to start with and we're like how can we make this work and so but the problem with that or not the problem but the challenge of it is that if you're doing lots of remote recordings it needs like double the post-production time if you're pulling selects in a session remotely then you have to take the actors local audio and line that up so even you basically have to go through the entire session and find the right takes that director wanted and then do the post on it and then there's more cleanup because it's their room rather than a sound treated studio so for most people it's not as good quality um 
there's noise you might have a fridge or a dog barking or someone mowing the lawn and that kind of stuff is quite time consuming to clean up I mean that's the great thing about a being in studio like you know from where you are based up in London because you have that you know consistency you know everyone comes in you know it's you're going to get a certain type of sound and you can clean it up quite quickly it's great because in a way you've got more access to more actors and it's more flexible in terms of perhaps timing but there's also you know upside and downside of that isn't there yeah and to be honest offering remote recordings we hope to carry on doing that if people need that like because not for not not everyone it's practical to travel into London um but obviously the recording quality is better using the studio because at the end of the day we've spent lots of money (laughs) getting up to a certain standard so it's all about what's right for the person and whatever we can do for the project I guess it's it's different on different projects like if they really have an intense quality standard that they need sometimes remote recording won't be suitable it, and it depends what setup they have at home as well. But we always do tech tests with everybody to make sure that it's at least okay. <laughs> like a baseline type thing. Yeah, like not recording on a phone or a USB mic. It's not quite right. <laughs> so what sort of training or perhaps even software training that you've done over the many years that it's coming up to now um, that you feel have worked really well for you, either like at a work level or like a more like, I don't know, professional level or personal level in terms of like soft skills or anything really Hmm. soft skills is funny because I used to be a lot more shy than I am now and I was kind of I went from being like quite a shy kid at school to being like a very intense like emo kind of child (laughs) with a lot of attitude and then went back to being quite quiet in the workplace um but I think I originally started out doing um after school clubs with kids Um, And that changed my confidence because I learned to be able to teach a little bit. And then I did youth work with teenagers, which is a whole nother bag of fun. But it's really good for learning to deal with different types of people and um, talking to people on their level and stuff. So I, I don't know that once you get into the workplace, there's that much support for that. Like they do a little bit with the women in games conferences we've gone to. But it's a difficult one because you just kind of learn it as you go. And the longer you're in a job, you you pick up those skills, the more you work with people. And I think when I do like marking for ThinkSpace Education, which is another one of my jobs, I can be like, not not harsh, but like very like bare truth criticism. Uh, I have to learn how to manage that with freelancers as well, to not just be like, this is wrong do it again to to like lead someone in a helpful way that's not just critical but it's like feedback yeah it's a hard one (laughs) yeah definitely and I think that's one of those things that like you said you kind of learn on the job a lot of the time you know you can do all the you know training packages and you can learn this sort of system but ultimately dealing with people is a massive thing in audio actually um, and you've got to know how you can deal with different types of actors and different types of clients. And I would think that your, your youth work actually worked really well for that because you've, you've got different personalities that you've got to realise how do they all work and stuff. Yeah, and even like now we're all stuck at home, so there's not a lot of social interaction for anyone other than the people who are actually in the studio. So I suppose, if anything, the engineers, it's more important that they have those soft skills because they, I did, a, I did a very brief amount of training as an engineer before COVID hit and my job changed completely again. 
but keeping the session running for engineers and keeping everyone calm even when you have issues is you almost have to have that um to know like the calming personality when even if the director or the actor is getting stressed to to keep things cool <laughs> yeah, absolutely and there are all sorts of reasons for all sorts of issues there's always a tech issue you always know, always and it's always when it's a really important session um and you know there are all hundreds of little reasons um why things just maybe slightly out of sync and stuff so um yeah i think it's it's good to have an ability to have that calming influence especially for an actor because i think once they're in the booth they want to they want to do a good job and they want to give you what you or the client want don't they so that's kind of like what how can you get the best out of them without making them stressed because that can affect their performance yeah it can be a really high pressure environment especially if it's like a big title there's more like pressure to have to do a good job and impress people but i think if you've got the right director and the right engineer the whole the whole process is just smoother and enjoyable rather than being like stressful yeah and that's where everyone wants to be everyone just wants to have fun right when they're recording yeah. and doing their job so that's uh, that's quite good um so what has been the most fun project you've worked on lately oh i don't know probably can't even talk about it oh yeah that's a point <laughs> the ones that you can talk about <laughs> <don't even> know. <laughs> you know the blank of the blank <laughs> Yeah, I think the most recent one I've had most fun with, I definitely can't talk about. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's always the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think, because like, when we were back in the studio, it projects were more fun because you're around the whole situation and you see the actors come and go, and then you do the post-production and it's a little bit more connected. Whereas now, obviously, everyone's at home who's not a studio engineer or an actor. So you don't get to see the process as much. And like, I would shadow sessions if I had time to, just to be a part of that process as well but yeah, yeah. I can't do that as much I guess well it's not game so much but when we do Netflix dubs the group sessions are incredibly fun <laughs> oh okay cool uh, that must be yeah if you get all the actors in and they kind of riff together and stuff yeah like games I can't talk about we do group sessions occasionally as well or have multiple people in the booth but not in COVID anymore <laughs> yeah sadly it has changed a lot of things and that, you know that's that's quite interesting from from an actor's perspective it's quite lonely when you are just on your own and it is nice to be with other people so yeah it's 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 changed a lot of things I think yeah the times when we have had multiple actors in a booth I think we managed to squeeze three people and, and if you've ever seen our booths they're not huge you know they're designed for one person <laughs> but it's definitely them, cozy <laughs> yeah, yeah but getting cozy together and seeing people actually being able to play off each other for something is really really fun and rewarding yeah that's I think that brings a lot of magic to a session actually because yeah there's, there's a certain spark and you get all sorts of things when you do that so yeah, yeah. it's sadly still so uncommon I guess just because I mean I guess with Covid there's no way that they would really improve that at the moment anyway she can't stick people in a little jam hub together but you know <laughs> yeah and so what sort of things do you do outside of work to keep you kind of you know going with your audio work I know you do a lot of sound composition stuff and sound design things so you know how how do you manage that because it's a busy day you kind of working all day how do you kind of do your own personal stuff yeah well before covid i'd go to a lot more events and networking and like all the bafta master classes are really fun and even meeting people in similar jobs is kind of rare um for me because dialogue editors are not a super common thing in games that someone has that like dedicated role it's usually like a more audio generalist role 
but there's a couple like Charles at Creative Assembly who does a lot of dialogue stuff so he's always really good to chat to but meeting people who have similar jobs and can offer advice is great because they'll be like oh yeah we had that problem we fixed it and you'd be like oh I've been doing this for months like trying to solve that <laughs> issue or whatever <laughs> but I think it's just like being around like-minded people generally can inspire you in whatever way that it is just to be like sometimes you can get a bit like bogged down or overworked and stuff and it can like re-inspire you with whatever you're doing um I don't know like at the moment it's difficult like I do lots of other things like write my own music and try and find time to develop my own stuff but what do you say your style is currently musically um I don't know I kind of try to do whatever people want (laughs) (laughs) well that's good that's a skill in itself I mean I can tell you I'm definitely not like a classically trained or a jazz pianist or anything like that kind of area like my background is generally as a guitarist and then when I studied creative music technology I got very into more electronic stuff and synths and that kind of thing but then it opens the doors on the kind of genres that you can compose in because you have all the virtual instruments at your fingertips so I kind of like ambient atmospheric kind of vibes but I love like I'm a rocker at heart like I always spent my teenage years going to gigs and rock and metal stuff and festivals and so like that kind of stuff is where my heart is at as well but that doesn't say that I write it well I just enjoy going to gigs a lot (laughs) oh gigs oh festivals yeah we have (laughs) tickets for Final Fantasy we're just waiting because it got rescheduled slightly like soon 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 I mean yeah come on just patient let's all be patient but it's like it's hard it is hard it's really hard so because I mean there's you know going to festivals going to gigs like that it's like a shared experience and you get this massive connection not only with the music but the people there and it's a whole it's just a whole experience as they call it isn't it really yeah it's the same with game jams and any events and stuff like you can try and run them online but it just misses the social part of it completely and you know when you've been at the pub for four hours having a really good conversation about something it's just not the same because on zoom you get lag and then you lose stuff and it's like I don't know you just miss all the the being there fun Um yeah and I think a pub conversation can actually solve a lot of questions and come up with some really great ideas actually Um, yeah you just get on topics and chat to people on stuff that you wouldn't even necessarily normally talk about whereas I guess like with zoom calls and business meetings it's all you'd have to have something specific to talk about I guess or it's harder to riff off each other or people don't get drunk so much (laughs) I think it becomes more formal, doesn't it? It becomes like, yeah. oh, we're going to have a chat and we've only got half an hour and we've got an hour and yeah. we've got to all get it all in and stuff. But yeah, it's it's those little moments, that like the water cooler moments, the making a tea mm-hmm. moments, the pub conversation. Yeah. You know, how many amazing ideas have just come from that sort of chat? You know, there must be hundreds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So how have you found it working from home? Well, I worked from home before uh, COVID, which is obviously different because when you work from home in normal times, you don't miss out on all your hobbies and all your enjoyments and you can still socialise with everyone from work. And I'd often spend some days in the office and some days at home, I'd mix it up a little bit. Like, so that was different and that was enjoyable. Whereas now, obviously, during the pandemic, you kind of lose all the enjoyable things about working from home like being able to go hang out for coffee at lunchtime with someone locally or whatever so I I like working from home it's cozy like being in the studio 
even though it's like a hub of life with the actors in and out, there's still, um, when you're editing stuff, you might need a little bit of peace and quiet, which you won't not, might not get sometimes, because <laughs> if the studio's in use, you can't use them to edit, so we sit in the edit room, but it can get noisy when there's a lot of people in and out. So being at home, it's nice, because it's generally quieter if the neighbours are behaving themselves. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah. You know, who's mowing the lawn, who's like, you know dogs going crazy or something or yeah. all sorts of things but, yeah. I think like our team meetings are very different because we're not in a room together so even though we regularly keep in touch with each other and talk it's it's still slightly different from when you're chatting to each other making a cup of coffee like you kind of miss all the day-to-day interactions that make you realize how great the team is and you kind of I know everyone I work with and I love them but I don't have that regular contact with anyone in the same way like it's purely based on work and there's no not so much like what did you do at the weekend and personal <laughs> chats and stuff which which make the job really enjoyable because you are working together on yeah. a personal level as well as a work level I mean what is anyone doing at the weekend that's a really good question yes walking <laughs> walking again for the hundredth time today yeah. <laughs> so yeah so anybody starting out now like let's say yeah done a levels or kind of degree coming out of that what what would you suggest to them if they're interested in sort of a career in audio? Um, I think you just have to explore whatever you're interested in. And if you can find a job that's vaguely relevant to what you like, like go for it and you'll probably find a path that is right for you. Because I never really thought about even being a dialogue editor. And then it came to the job popping up through an old lecturer of mine who knew John who was hiring. Um, And I was like, I was always very strict about I want to do music and only music I'm a composer like and when I started being flexible with that then I found that I fitted in and found something that I actually really liked and so it's not sometimes it's about just exploring things that might be good not necessarily being like I can only have this senior sound designer role or I can only have music composition in a particular style that it's good to just explore things and have a go and I know it's really hard to get a foot in the door generally but I think if you're find something that you might like then go for that I don't know get to know people yeah definitely I think it's true I mean the first job is not likely to be the job that you get but it's going to be a a job um and it's it's I think it's good to acknowledge that your path is going to kind of deviate have a wander over here maybe you know take a bit of a holiday over there and and somehow somehow magically it kind of all comes together at some points um But yeah, like you say, it's great to be curious about different things and just keep your eyes open and your ears. (laughs) I think like the main skills are just like being proactive and a nice person. And if you care about what you're doing, that will shine through in your work, whatever it is. So wherever you start out, it doesn't matter if it's your final goal or if it's straight away the perfect job. It's more about being an asset and being a great person to work with, which as long as you're a nice person, that's not that hard to do. (laughs) <laughs> exactly that's true and also come with pets because pets always help <laughs> sure, yeah have an animal present an <laughs> and so what what's coming up for you what are you hoping for in the next few months next few years what do you think you want to kind of investigate more hmm. I mean I like doing freelance work on top of my job anyway because it's kind of like writing music is my passion and it's where my background is like my roots kind of what really matters to me 
but the fact that I don't do that as a full-time job doesn't bother me because I'm quite happy doing little bits of different things and so I think I do too much so maybe in the next few years I might rein it in a little bit <laughs> and if if the world starts to return to normal have some more free time to mm-hmm. just do things <laughs> yeah go to gigs <laughs> like I'd love to be able to just finish making my own game and be able to do like the passion project I think someone generally everyone has something like that on a back burner that they have something that they really care about that they want to finish kind of like yeah. not for financial reasons just because it's something you want to do because yes you actually have um you've actually worked on a few games actually but um tell us which one you want to finish yeah well i started working on a game called the quiet things when i was um, a student and i just haven't had time to do it for probably years now um which is like a sort of autobiographical game where i have like a background being homeless and and that kind of thing so it mattered to me to tell that kind of story because sometimes they're missing from the games industry but, you know, on an indie level, there's so many amazing games that tackle interesting subjects like that. That's true. That's true. And it is um, that sort of indie avenue is, I think, where there are a lot of really nice, good creative ideas are coming through with really interesting themes, which I think are a really good way to tackle some really hard issues, actually, because it's, it's the, the, a lot of the themes aren't, aren't very happy, are they? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think for AAA studios, making that kind of game would just be too much of a risk and it's not always profitable. Like you do it for different reasons from that. So, yeah, I don't know. But like there's so in films, there's a lot more things like Schindler's List or David Lynch kind of things that are kind of more wacky, more experimental, more like really sad and emotional kind of things that I think the games industry are starting to do that. But it'll be really interesting when they kind of it broadens to that kind of depth more that's true and I was going to ask you about trends but you've actually started a really interesting <laughs> point there because yeah the the tide is turning on that narrative heavy game which does focus on on much heavier aspects and emotional intentions um you know the last of us too had quite a quite a lot of deepness to it and richness which you know five ten years ago were things like that or you know where were they gonna where are they gonna go next yeah it's interesting the last of us is just really difficult to play and that's not to say the experience isn't enjoyable if you want to call it enjoyable because it, it contributes something not necessarily enjoyment but you get an experience out of it that you think of things in a different way and that's like games don't have to be fun or enjoyable they just have to communicate something that matters but I think before that, games were, wouldn't take that risk to be, like, difficult, I suppose, because I think with Last of Us, even, like, with the audio, like, killing people sounds so much more brutal, you almost don't want to do it. Whereas, like, compared to Doom, that's enjoyable to kill all the demons, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think that kind of, like, marrying up with real life and exploring those kind of topics that are difficult in that kind of way that's going to be really interesting because last of us is a big title and they're kind of taking those steps to do that and like hellblade's another one that yeah quite intense and in depth and there's a lot of like sorrow in the game which is interesting subject to explore yeah it definitely is and i think you know that in that narrative diving in into psychosis and mental health i mean that's that's that is a big risk and it and it 
and it has been amazing and they've pulled it off really well so yes I think I feel there will be much more sort of layers to games as we go on which yeah, it's, is great. It's interesting because it's sometimes really hard to do well and like even films have fallen into the trap of just like constantly exploring multiple personality disorder for a story purpose rather than actually what it means for the people um, and I think more and more the focus is on the people and the individuals and their mental health their emotions their minds rather than just the story outside of that but that adds to the story so that's why it's cool that it's happening more yeah that's true and I think once you get a sense of authentic storytelling then I feel the game really does become its own sort of set piece and really kind of shines a light on various aspects and like one area is visually but I often think what marries everything together is the audio. I do think it's the soundtrack. I do think it is dialogue. I think it's all of those, in, not inconsequential because they're super important. You take it away and, and, you know, it's half a story really. So I always feel audio is definitely sort of tying the ribbon on the whole package. Yeah, I think it's when things work in unison, it almost feels like effortless that you don't even notice one thing over the other. Like, obviously, the gameplay mechanics won't work without the art or the audio and every way you try and take a piece out. It, it shouldn't have the impact without any of them. Yeah. And how, how does it... How are you playing games now, working very closely to audio and dialogue? How are you playing the actual game? Are you immersed in the story, playing it for the experience? Or, you know, are you like, oh, OK, oh, yeah, they would have done this. I wonder if that was the first take of the second half of, you know, how does that... How are you doing it now? Yeah, I I try to take my kind of like work mind and critical thinking away when I'm playing games. And because I've been a gamer before I've been a professional, I think you can still do that. Um, or I'll like not play with headphones on on purpose, because although it's not like the full audio experience, it helps you kind of like just enjoy it for what it is rather than listening to like whatever specific things it may be. Or like, how did they do that? Or what kind of sound is that? Or <laughs> those kind of things. But I do you know like being part of the BAFTA panel for example you have like you have to play that in a critical way because you have to be judging it so it's nice to play those games afterwards and not be thinking about those things. So in terms of when you play a game audio wise what is important for you what stands out? I like when they put the soundtrack at the front of the the game and I think sometimes it's not too background, but it's not the focus. And even, you know, like games like Journey and Ori in the Blind Forest, they tend to like favor the soundtrack slightly more, or they at least treat it with equal um, priority, I suppose. Because I think a lot of the emotion often comes from the music. And that's not to say that all the other audio aspects don't contribute to it, but music is something that's like very intensely human and it's been in our history since, you know, thousands and thousands of years. So that, that probably is kind of like the start of where you draw people in emotionally and then like the performances and the sound design are kind of like grab you as you go along like I think Ghost of Tsushima did that quite well at the beginning where I played through the war or whatever it was when you're kind of like going through but they they use like battle drums but then they almost had this really strong orchestral emotive sound which you didn't expect at the point you were in the game because you're still going for a war but it kind of added to the the emotional trauma of it I think that kind of like pushing the musical experience forward can really help in the right place 
Yeah, and that is a that is a great game for that because you are you are, you are carried away. You know when he's learning to fight. Um, I think that I found that quite emotional because there are you know you've got the wonderful visual of the leaves and them mm -hmm. fighting and you're obviously learning the mechanics of it, but at the same time, you do have this wonderful soundtrack that is is stirring. I would call it a very emotionally stirring moment. Um, and what's quite interesting because when you know. As an actor, I'm delivering lines, uh, you know, for when I do adverts and things, I often ask for the music bed and they give me the music bed if it's like 30 seconds or a minute. And I'm like, OK, so it's jolly, upbeat music. OK, so I have to match that emotionally um, with my performance. Does that happen in the studio in a session? Do you kind of give them that sort of thing? Has that happened before? It depends if it's ready. <laughs> I think... Things like trailers are sometimes more likely to be at that point. If we're recalling dialogue for a game, there probably isn't a soundtrack yet. Um, I think we do use beds occasionally and stuff like that to get people in the mood. I think it really depends on the director and the actors. But unfortunately, it's not something that's generally used just because sometimes you just have to be creative in your own mind and make it out of nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, right, go, play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's yeah. even rare to get visuals, so having audio on top of that is probably an ask too much, I guess. Wow, that's true, that's true. And it's kind of like you are, it is the theatre of nothing and everything, isn't it? You're just trying yeah. to bring it all together. So, yeah. Um, so how did you find your experience of being on the BAFTA audio panel? Oh, it was really rewarding, and it's a real privilege to be amongst the other judges and the people chairing it and part of such a cool organisation. Um, even though it's remote, again, like I just want to see everybody that I've met in the experience. I think it's really, really hard to choose games out of the, the lists and stuff because you played them all and they're all amazing. And that's when you get to that sort of gold standard anyway, if you know that anyone could deserve to win at that point. So it's just like nitpicking. But yeah. it's interesting because sometimes you just can't even place your finger on it specifically but everyone just has a feeling of what they feel is best and then you have to try and work out what makes you feel that but <laughs> yeah and that's 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 actually quite magical really isn't it that music or a performance or visually or you know the story can do that with a game it's like why why is this why has this grabbed me so much and there have been so many great examples this year of some great games um and what what games have you most enjoyed playing over this first Oh my god, First I love Astrobot so much. <laughs> Which one? Astrobot for PS5. Uh, yeah. It's like the, the demo for all the technology, but it's just the most fun game I've ever played. <laughs> it's great. And I think it came out at the right time, didn't it? It's kind of like, yeah. like a captive audience. Like, have yeah. fun! <laughs> yeah, like Animal Crossing's been a real lifesaver at the beginning of the pandemic because I had my first, first pandemic birthday <laughs> during that. People came to my island, brought me gifts on Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's so sweet. <laughs> I love it. I love that we're going to be able to look back on this period and be like, well, the start of it was Animal Crossing and then I played this one. And this, this got me, I recently played um, Monument Valley too. And oh, yes. That was just... You know when you just need something just like journey like just calm and just yeah. use your brain a bit so yeah that was that was really nice um yeah, yeah to just play with that and i think that's what we'll look back on it's like oh yes i was uh, this game in into the second pandemic <laughs> <laughs> i mean i started doing the ring fit to try and stop getting quite so fat but well not visiting any outdoor areas so at least i can pretend to be outside on the switch <laughs> which i think is something quite amazing really to kind of try and give that you know 
different because it is it is when you're stuck in the same four walls it is quite hard to motivate yourself um and you know what are you doing to motivate yourself ring fit games music yeah it's really dog. Cool. yeah yeah well the dog entertains himself most of the time <laughs> he just wants me for food well well <laughs> yeah i think you you have to try and keep exploring your passions and hobbies as much as you can from inside four walls and like if you can get out for a walk then that's the best you can do at the moment isn't it yeah and like definitely. games games are still a massive form of escapism and so when you can't leave the house when you can be in all kinds of different worlds just by getting something on your playstation or whatever and even like vr is feels so real sometimes that's really amazing like what's the game by end dreams they have like a little meditation one where you just kind of like sit on the um by the sea or whatever but they're just like really nice little experiences and then beat saber of course <laughs> yeah it's quite funny though i've got some friends who are now transporting sort of games into real life and i've got friends who with her family they play among us but with her family now they um they use torches turn off the lights and they do tasks around their home like make the bed put the clothes away put the dishes in the dishwasher <laughs> But as a massive Among Us game. Yeah. And I wonder when that spill, like how many times that spillover might happen in the future. Like we'll, we'll, like, we'll take Among Us out to a park one day. You know, how amazing would that be? Uh, I, I'm not very good at that game. <laughs> no, neither am I. <laughs> That's right. We'll just, you know, stay by a tree somewhere. <laughs> I'll just be like innocent and I'll actually be the one who's the murderer or whatever it is in the game. <laughs> Um, and you mentioned Jessica Curry earlier on, um, and she is a fantastic composer. What about her work do you enjoy? Hmm, I don't know. It's just like, it's very emotive and almost like mournful and impactful, but in a simple way, like not in a horrible way, but as in like, it doesn't need to be like overstated. And she works quite a lot with the human voice which is, as a dialogue editor, I suppose I have an extra appreciation for anyway. And so, like, I don't have the most amazing voice, but I really love the the instant emotional connection you get from hearing, like, another person sing. And when you add that all together, like, I don't know if you've ever sung in a choir, probably, but I, it's almost like an indescribable thing to be a part of that. Um, and when even when you watch it perform, being performed, it's not quite the same, but it has that same, like, the community thing you feel the social element of it and I I don't know like it's very it draws me in very quickly I think you've hit on something really interesting there actually which is how vocals in audio especially in soundtracks can actually be really really that human connection can be really emotive there and I hadn't really thought about it in that way um, but yeah that hauntingness can often only comes from a voice you know that's because there's discussion about AI and how AI might do voice in the future and things. And maybe AI will do music <laughs> in the future. It probably happens already. Yeah, they have some really cool AI music stuff, but it's not the same as what a human wrote because it's only replicating what we can do and we keep innovating. So yeah. it doesn't have that that thought and it doesn't have a human experience to, to draw from. So. I think that's what you are getting, that human experience, aren't you? And um, also humans are quite flawed and they make mistakes and I think sometimes the perfection is the mistake you know that that you know slight misbeat or that slight slur or a fry on a voice for example that's that's something quite unique and you, you in every performance is going to be slightly different it's not going to be the same 
And like, I'm sure voice actors are always drawing on their own personal experiences. And that's always going to be different for each individual. And you can't give an AI a bad childhood or whatever it may be, you know, like, <laughs> they don't understand. Like AI with trauma, AI with trauma, please. I think there's a movie about that. <laughs> But um, and are there any other composers that you feel that you know you've listened to and you've absolutely loved from any genre? Hmm. I've I've been bad at listening to new music for most of the pandemic. To be honest, I think it's just the drawing on the old older music to get you through a little bit. I'm trying to think of like game soundtracks and stuff that's come out recently. Hmm. I don't know. What do I even listen to at the moment? <laughs> I don't even know. I've been listening to a lot of musicals because I think, you know, some like The Greatest Showman and stuff like that can be really uplifting. And yeah, sometimes you need a bit of that just, to, you know, as, a, as an alarm in the morning yeah, yeah. just to get you up and stuff. What's the one um, about the guy who gets assassinated or something at the end? Spoilers. The main song is it called Wait For It or something. I forget what it's called oh now. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it could be for you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, we watched that recently, and even like within the the filming, they have like an intermission, and so we were like sat on our sofa when the intermission happened. Like, oh, quick, go for a wee, and it almost <laughs> felt like you were there. <laughs> but no, that was really lovely. Like uh, musicals are great, and I I never used to be into them unless they were really dark, like Sweeney Todd or something. Oh, that's a great musical though. That's yeah. fantastic. We were really lucky to go and see that in the theatre a few years ago. Oh, did you? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That's Great. I'm looking forward to going back to see musicals and so much shows and oh yeah. Yeah, theatre. This is a weird one because I never had the luxury of being able to go as a kid or anything. It was only as an adult that I was then able to explore those things. And then there was I think it was like 1984 I went to see, and I was like, wow, maybe I do like theatre. Like <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> and that is quite a. Actually, it's quite an experience, theatre, isn't it? You are immersed in it you are yeah. part of it and I know many of my friends who are on stage they they really miss yeah, audiences yeah. because you riff off the audience the, the audience is also important to that performance and every night is different it yeah just, it's just like the buzz in the air as soon as you walk through the doors in the auditorium like you just don't get that from being on a webcam or whatever yeah exactly and and what the you know the pandemic has done is it has let theatre and musicals and a lot of shows that would not have been accessible due to location or cost or anything like that actually much more accessible so you know I've, I have been going through quite a long catalogue yeah. of all sorts of shows like National Theatre and you know lots of musical numbers like Six. Um, oh I really wanted to see that. Yeah yeah it's really it's really good it's really good it's just the musicality and the it's just really good and funny and yeah clever very clever. What's what's uh, what are you looking forward to um, next? Going outside, <laughs> seeing people. Seeing people. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm kind of interested how the world's going to change for everyone when we reach a kind of new normal. Because I think there's a good like balance in in the games industry from like the working from home balance and the the being there and. I don't know, it might change things in game development because we've realised that we can do a lot of stuff from home, perhaps. Like, obviously, things like recording in a studio, it's never going to be quite the same, but we can make things more accessible for people who it isn't an option for. So I'm enjoying perhaps being a part of changing some things for the future, I guess, like just being able to do remote sessions with people and, 
like you still have a sense of socialness with with talking to them or whatever I don't know like I look forward to more games that will come out and more soundtracks and more audio more dialogue like I think when things ramp up again like I think the games industry is something that's kind of stayed afloat through the whole pandemic compared to lots of other industries that have struggled and I hope that it's maybe supported some people who were in other jobs that didn't have another option and they were able to maybe like explore that side of things so like I'm big for involving people from different industries not you don't have to be like games only like maybe someone's a great at theatre or in the films industry and like the more variety and breadth of people you get involved in each project the more different results you'll get so I'm kind of hopeful that we'll learn things from the pandemic that will give us more variety and depth of teams and people we work with so there's hope <laughs> oh, yes so if you could um what do your dream composition be Ooh, i don't know maybe i'll steal jessica's choirs <laughs> i can't remember Excellent. that was one of the things we saw i think it was a spitfire audio showcase in london and i think it was literally the last live gig we went to before everything shut down and they had a group of think they were maybe all women voices and they were a little bit experimental I have to try and remember what the group was because they sounded amazing and they were like very like infectious the way that they moved spoke sung like those kind of things I'd love to do something more playing around with the human voice maybe mm. but I like like I just like experimenting with things I haven't done before like and I don't go too over the top with things like I like to strip things back as much as they need to be kind of thing to can you get the most impact out of just a voice or just a voice in a piano or whatever that might be but I really miss playing with people and just yeah, <laughs> yeah true. so um if people want to see um your website or your details where can they look yeah, my website's www.alexjones.co.uk and Alex is spelled A-L-Y-X or I'm also on Twitter under the same name or Instagram, whatever. <laughs> Fabulous. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Alex, for your time today. And thank you, everyone, for watching because you have been watching I Am Allowed here with Games Dev London. I've been Lorraine Ansel and thank you very much to Alex Jones, who has been our guest today. Thank, thank you. you for having me. <laughs>